0: Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It is definitely the morning. It's definitely Thursday. It's pre-breakfast. This one's called How to Get the Most Out of Events. Breakfast is a Big Deal. Breakfast is
1: a big deal, and I haven't had it yet today,
0: buddy. <laughs> Dying over here. You can find the show notes of this one at tropicalmba.com slash dcbkk2014. This is going to be our annual wrap-up of how the event went in Thailand, what we feel like we learned about throwing events as well, our advice to people looking to get the most out of all these conferences that are coming up, and maybe uh, some plans sense for sense what we're so going to so do like it work at work next year's, year's event. But first... We're in Tokyo. What's that all about, man? Why did you choose this fine location? Well, I thought you might like
1: it. What do you think? (laughs) This is my second time here, so we're doing a little touring. Went to the robot show last night, getting ready to go
0: to Mount Fuji in about an hour and a half here. What do you think? That was crazy. Whenever you ask somebody about Japan, an American, they will say the following. Number one, Japan is awesome. Number two, Japan is so weird. And I agree with both of those things. But I have a third thing to add. Japan is a country full of pigeon-toed people. Did you know that? (laughs) It is. It's crazy. That's the first thing I noticed. If Kelly Starrett came to this place, he'd be crying about all the MCL damage that we're going to have here. We did notice that and then went straight to Reddit. And, you know, you just type
1: in, (laughs) why are there so many pigeon toed people in Japan? And of course, there's a thread on that.
0: You know, there's this talk of software eating the world. I read an article the other day about mobile eating the world well the googles is eating my conversations i don't even need to talk to anybody anymore because you know what i'll just go and and i'll go to google and i'll see what they have to say about
1: this that's right
0: so how are you looking the food here in japan what's the difference between vacation and real life for digital nomad Vacation is a time when you can eat ice cream every night. We've been (laughs) eating ice cream.
1: Fair distinction. Yeah, (laughs)
0: definitely. All right, let's talk about these events. DCBKK 2014. For those of you not familiar with DCBKK, that's what we call our annual event for location independent entrepreneurs. It's hosted in Bangkok, hence the BKK. This year, probably around 300 people came out. So I want to talk about uh, what we learned at the event. You ready to do that? Let's do it. And before we talk about what we learned about throwing events and what you would recommend for people going to events in the future, I'd like you just maybe to pull out two or three of your favorite lessons or themes that you heard about on stage this year. We're not going to go through every speaker. I mean, we had a speaker's dinner this year and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this in the formatting, but I think we had 35 presenters Yeah, Yeah, we
1: did a couple different things this year, so it wasn't just all keynotes. We're actually trying to get away from the keynotes, so we did two new things. We did breakout sessions and we did lightning talks, but getting back to kind of what I learned about this group this year, one interesting thing I think, and I was hearing this from a lot of people, is DCers are growing up. Oh, come on. And everybody said that this was going to happen, and I don't think it was a bad thing before, like, you know, DCers weren't growing up, but we're just getting older, so we're, we're traveling a little bit different, we've got a little bit more money than we did the first year, and it's just kind of changing the dynamic a little bit. I saw... actually. I saw a couple suit jackets. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but we're just, I think we're getting a little bit more refined. Okay. Well, I'm not going to certainly, I have nothing to say about that. I'm. More- <laughs> <laughs> we had some excellent, excellent speakers. Who's your favorite? Oh, I can't put a value oh, okay, or okay, a okay. number okay. on that. You know, I would like to take a shout out to Jacob. I think Jacob had an amazing presentation this year. Jacob
0: Poole from firegang.com. That's, That's right. P-U-H-L. You got. Someone came onto the show. Uh, the comments the we week saying, "Who's this P O O L E guy that you've been talking about?" <laughs> and Jacob had a great presentation. And I think
1: kind of what made Jacob's presentation great, and this is something that we had talked with him about before he did his presentation, was focusing on the lessons learned, not necessarily the tactics. And I think there's a couple different ways to give a presentation, you know, and I think sometimes we see these tactical presentations and then we see these lessons learned presentations. And for me, I like the lessons learned.
0: I like a little bit of both, you know, but I like here's what I did. And Rob Walling did a great job of this, too. Rob Walling is like the absolute samurai master at this. So there's like four levels to any talk. First is the narrative foundation. Like, what story does this happen in? The second is the tactic or the specific action. Like, so at this juncture in the story, I did X, and like, here's what resulted. Then the third layer is what you're saying is like, and then this is what I think I learned from that. And, you know, then you move on to your next narrative junction. But then Rob Walling takes like the samurai master's move, and he's like, and here's the theoretical framework that I believe that this is exposing. Like, I think like this exposes something deep about the universe, about the way businesses happen. And here's my theory about that. So that's the next level. It's very difficult to do and it's, in most cases, unnecessary. Yeah. Because, I mean, people are, you know, they have these unique businesses. There's no sense always in trying to create a general theory about what's happening. One of the ways you can tell a successful conference talk is when it defines the parlance for a conference. So Rob Walling really fleshed out part of his stair step approach. And I mean, down to the granular nitty gritties of like, What are the LTVs of stage two businesses, you know, and then people were walking around the rest of the conference being like, you know, I'm not quite to stage three yet. I'm I'm at the I'm a late stage two. And these frameworks, I think, are really powerful. It's super powerful. And like you
1: said, like people walked around the conference the rest of the weekend thinking about what stage they were in. I think if you can give people a takeaway like that, super valuable.
0: All right, so the next note you have here is to mention Vincent talk.
1: Yeah, Vincent was uh first-time speaker at DCBKK, and he is the The founder of uh, Panda Eyewear, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he's the guy behind Panda Eyewear. Got a pair. Thanks, Vincent. He gave a lightning talk. So the lightning talk format, Dan, just real quick here. Basically, we had, I think, seven people, and then we just lined them up, and they just came on stage one after another. So it was cool because it gave people an opportunity that maybe hadn't necessarily done a keynote before. They got to share for eight minutes, and it was kind of this rapid-fire thing. I really dug it. Yeah. nothing was related. So like first person talking about consulting, then Vincent's talking about Panda, you know, yeah. it was really interesting. But Vincent talked about how to recover. So he had a heart wrenching story about how he took a product from Alibaba and he put it on Kickstarter and everybody exposed him as a fraud Then now he's having to recover from that. But I think the cool thing about that was Vincent got to tell that story. But then also he really got a lot of clarity
0: this weekend about his direction for his business. So I think it's amazing that he wrote us an email talking about like the serendipities that had happened at the event. And I can think of so many examples of that. One of our speakers, Ben Hebert, the founder of naturalstacks.com. I mean, it's one of these crazy stories that you can only at DCPKK. It's like he got an email from CNN. They want to do a feature on his company. He rebooks his flight, comes down to the conference room. He's like, holy shit. CNN called me. I'm like... What know, do I do? We got to talk to Peter Shankman because... You know, Peter shankman on CNN
1: every other day. Peter
0: Shankman, like the most helpful guy ever, <laughs> like jumps on the phone or something for him. Ben's, Set him up Ben's, with a coach. Ben's back a couple hours later flying back to the U.S. to go on CNN. That's the kind of thing that happens at these events. At, like, And then Vincent wrote us an email about that. I mean, honestly, I could, could sit here for a few hours and like recount... These serendipitous situations. That's why I got to come to these things. That's right? why I wanted to point out with Vincent too. Is like I think that the conference actually
1: changed his direction. Yeah, you know, and I think that that happened for a lot of people Problems, at DCBK. Yeah.
0: Maybe if you're a land administrator for some big tech company or whatever, you might want to go and hear people talk about the new tech pack version 12.752 that came out but the value in these things is not i mean you can go on youtube and learn about stuff the whole point is to get in the room with the right people right
1: and i think we've learned too dan from this like i think we're going to cut back on the keynotes actually last year i think we're going to focus more on these lightning talks and these breakout sessions because the keynotes i think traditionally are these great stories if you have a good keynote speaker it's a great story you know you come away inspired but generally speaking keynotes aren't actionable items and I think what we want to try and do with the
0: DCBKK well, yeah, is cause you, you actionable you You get this group of practitioners that are right. doing things with their business that just haven't made it into the here's how to grow a business parlance yet because they just did it last year. And so it's so cool to be able to interact directly like... I think of Damien and Ryan's productized service sales breakout, you know, 30 people in a room interacting together about like what's working to sell these types of products now, you know, on right. the internet, right now, this moment, there's something special about that that I think you're not going to get from the grand keynote. There's another thing about keynotes, which is, you know, it's tough to be both a practitioner and a preacher at the same time. So a lot of people that get good at giving keynotes, they're talking about stuff that happened five years ago. And that's. that's. That's okay. Of course there's perennial stuff in entrepreneurship and everything, but a lot of us that like have businesses we don't need to hear like 10 reasons to start a business or whatever, you know, I want to know what's working on Facebook like yeah. now. And I
1: want to talk to Travis about what's going on now in SEO. And that's yeah. essentially what our breakout session
0: is. Yeah, are. we want to say like, I mean, literally, I mean, I remember sitting in a room with Travis and one of our sites tanked, one of the stats tanked last week, and we wanted to talk about that, you know, that's our issue. So to give a quick rundown, we keep
1: talking about these breakout sessions. Like if you're there, you probably know what they were. But basically somebody would get up front or two people would get up front and they would Talk about it was kind of like a state of the union thing. So, you know, me and Peter Keller talked about e commerce and then ended up taking questions and uh, talking mostly about uh, growing your team. So, these things kind of evolved into whatever the group wanted to talk about. But it was a very intimate setting 15 to 35 people talking about the state of the union, talking about exactly what's going on right now. And that's not something that you get with the keynote. The keynote is a one way direction street, right?
0: These breakout sessions, it was more of a group discussion. Everybody got to participate. I really it's like nuts, that It's nuts, right? I mean, I had such FOMO. I was, like, standing there outside of, like, there was two best-selling authors inside one. There was, like, a world-leading SEO guy inside the other. And I was like, incredible amount of FOMO. I went to Rob <laughs> Walling's and I gave him myself on membership sites. I went to Anton Crawley's and Jesse Lawler's talking about staffing. Rob Walling talking about minimum path to awesome and onboarding people onto his app. So that's that's so invaluable to me. Like he was like up on screen. He had like behind the scenes screenshots of Drip, and he was showing how he onboards people onto his app and stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, what a unique experience at a conference. So anyway, you know, build the the, products uh, that you want. (laughs) Maybe that's the takeaway of this episode. I don't know if I'd want to listen to this episode. We're kind of going all over the place. We're excited. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's the ramen boss, man. But I remember standing in that breakout session, like scribbling down notes from Jesse and Rob thinking, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to see here. This is really good stuff. This is helping me grow the business, so. What did we learn from events this year, Dan? I would say this. Conferences as a business model traditionally are very fragile. We've made some money on some events. We've not made some money on others. Tell me again which events we made money on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's, uh, it's tight. You know, these events, they can be very fragile because what happens is, like, traditionally you go out and you get, like, five to ten faces, and then you use those faces to sell a high dollar ticket. And then you better hope that those faces deliver when those people show up, you know. And that's kind of the model. And And if one or two or three of those faces goes up there and bombs or says something that's not relevant, it can destroy the whole thing. These things are very fragile. And, and one of the things, it's just really tough to say one thing that appeals to 300 people at a time. Right. So what we're doing is we're experimenting with ways to break the conference down to create an anti-fragile conference you know rob walling had this thing he said he jokes conferences are like sex even when they're bad they're still kind of okay he okay said, <laughs> so i mean i don't know if that's true but there's something there his point is kind of like you know get people in the room it's you're gonna have a good time but his other point really stuck with me which is like everybody's tr- favorite track is always the hallway track Everybody always says that, right? Yeah, I got the most value when I met that person over breakfast or out in the hallway. And you know what? As a conference promoter as someone who spends months of their year losing sleep who has a small amount of gray hair on my head because of these (laughs) things this drives me crazy because it's like really i did all this stuff and it's the hallway it's like when you buy your cat a piece of modern cat designs furniture and it plays with your sock
1: and it scratches
0: your sofa spent three hundred dollars on this piece of modern cat designs from those guys on that podcast Playing with a sock. And the the most valuable thing
1: is when you had breakfast with somebody.
0: And I think that that's often the case at these conferences. What we tried to create at DCBKK this year, and we're going to push further next year, is if everybody loves the hallway track, let's make a hallway conference. What's so great about the hallway track how can we build that into what we do i'm getting jumping ahead here but these breakout sessions are incredibly powerful and in how you structure them how you identify the practicing preachers right that's what we're looking for we're looking for practitioners i don't want some like fluffy expert who talks about I want somebody with a freaking track record. I want you to say, I sold a quarter million dollars worth of this product last year, and here's the sales technique that I used to do it. That's what's going to help me grow my business. Now, that person probably wasn't on the speaking circuit last year because they were selling a quarter million dollars with that product, right? And that's the tough part with these conferences. Now, maybe that person can't go up and command the attention of 300 people. They sure as hell can run a 30-person discussion. Right. And and especially when a lot of the other people in that room have had similar results.
1: Yeah, I really like, like I said before, like this keynote thing, I think it's a little bit outdated, honestly, and it's this one-way street thing. So what I love about the breakout sessions is that it's a two-way street. Everybody's communicating with each other. The other great thing about these breakout sessions is that you get to identify the other people that are interested in what you're interested in. And I think that that becomes increasingly difficult when you come to a conference and it has 250 to 300 people. It's like, I can't read all the name tags. But (laughs) if I'm in a room and we're talking about publishing and I look around, I realize, hey, these are the people that are interested in publishing or publishing already. It's a fast track to understanding who's my buddy at the conference.
0: The other thing that we were doing to create a more
1: anti-fragile conference is that... By the way, I love it that that we just use anti-fragile whenever possible. So That's it's right. like anything could be anti-fragile.
0: Yeah, the way I pack my bags is anti-fragile. anti-fragile now. <laughs> Fragile, man.
1: The way I shampoo my non-existent hair, anti-fragile. <laughs> it's
0: all anti-fragile. The other way we're doing this is by creating like an unconference atmosphere. This is where you empower people We had a couple different names for it this year, but I think we found the right mix of basically saying, maybe you don't have an outstanding track record or you didn't have a great year. Maybe you're just getting started or maybe you're just fascinated about something like Bitcoin or about lead generation or about a certain programming language. We're trying to work with our attendees to facilitate small meetups around those topics. Again, for the same things, a really focused discussion. If you can fly in a few days early for the event, Go to a lead generation lunch and then go to a Bitcoin dinner. You're already meeting and interacting with people on premises that you've sort of pre-agreed on.
1: Yeah, and props to D.Cers for actually pulling this together. I mean, it was more D.Cers than it was us, right? So all of a sudden, we look at the calendar and these all these events in the D.C. It's like, oh, there's a Thursday lunch, there's a Friday dinner. I love
0: how like I just we get no credit from you ever. I think we you know we didn't do anything. Yeah,
1: we didn't do anything. (laughs) These are meetups primarily hosted by D.Cers, right? And yeah. so it's really cool to see. It. And, you know, I can see next year, Dan, that DCBKK could turn into like a week-long event. I mean, it basically was, it was. yeah, right. It was more or less a week-long event. And so I think that that's very cool because it gives people a chance. You know, obviously, a lot of people are traveling across the world. You come across the world. You get to have activities for the whole week. You know, one of my biggest fear as somebody that throws conferences is that, you you get the guy or the girl that sits up in
0: their room. Someone that owns a company that those Oh yeah, sorry. Let's be clear.
1: Let's wait till next year. You haven't earned your stripes yet, buddy. Somebody that sits up in the room and then, you know, they're scared to like interact with people or you don't feel like there's events to go to all the time. And so these unconference events, this Wednesday night thing, this Tuesday afternoon thing gives people an opportunity to meet people, come out of their room. You know, it's not, you just don't have to be there for the program stuff, right? Right. There's a whole smorgasbord
0: of events going on. (laughs) Smorgasbord. Okay, so we've talked a lot about i mean obviously we're excited about this event it was really fun we talk about people making these pilgrimages you know know, like when we asked like are people going to saigon after this or chiang mai to like go visit the other dcers and it was like i mean hundreds of hands shot up in the air it's incredible pilgrimages so it's an excitement there's an excitement that i think you can tell we feel that's why i've been talking about it so much but maybe we could provide some value here which is that if you're going to go to an event how can you get value out of it you know these things are expensive because the tickets are hundreds of dollars and then And the plane tickets are thousands of dollars. And how do you get your money back? And the room service, as you know, is hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Out of control. I got to put a limit on your room (laughs) service. now. How do you get the most out of these events? What's your quick tips here?
1: One thing that's shaping up to be really important at DCBKK is breakfast, believe it or not. And this goes with staying at the hotel, too. So we've always believed this. Like, if you're going to go to a conference and it's at a hotel, just stay at the hotel. Because that's where you run into everybody. That's where you come back and go to the bar at night. But more importantly for me, that's where I get to have breakfast with people. And I found that that's a really fun thing to do. At these conferences, you know, a lot of times we have like a buffet style and people are just kind of coming and going for two hours. And it's really nice to be able to sit down with people, look them in the eyes if they're not too hungover and say, how was your night? How's the conference going? And develop friendships over breakfast. So I really like breakfast.
0: Yeah, if you're the person that like stayed one neighborhood over in the cool neighborhood because you got an Airbnb, B thing that did this or that—it's the wrong move. It's, it's the, totally wrong. It's move. the wrong move. It's like having a leak in the system. You know, breakfast is really critical. Actually, it's funny you mention that because when I think back to this event for me, because I have you know the organizer mindset and then I have the attendee mindset. The two days after the conference, I woke up at seven thirty as I do. I went down there to the breakfast thing, opened up my laptop. Under the presumption that I was going to work. I was going to be a good boy. I was going to get back on everything. And little do I know, it's Jake Poole and Taylor Pearson there. That just started a two-hour marathon brainstorm session with other people kind of coming in and out, flowing through. Emily Utter came through and then Dominator came through. I can still remember what we talked about. And then what do you think I did the next morning? Back at it, went for those muffins round two, man. (laughs) You know, that was just a magical experience for me, just like having that kind of quiet time with those guys and being able to think about what happened at the event. You're right, breakfast is important.
1: Yeah, breakfast is important, but not only that, like we said, it's really important to stick around the venue, I think. If you're gonna go to a conference, spend a couple extra bucks, stay at the hotel. I know this has been difficult for us as organizers to try and figure out the best hotel that everybody can afford and that everybody wants to stay at, but I think we did all right job at it this year.
0: Yeah. So one other way to get more out of conferences is to do everything you can to get on stage. There's no question. I think the people that get on stage get an extra amount of benefit. You know, I'm so happy this year that so many people stepped up to be presenters and to facilitate these breakout discussions. One of the things I've noticed, don't give conference organizers too much confidence. Let me say this as somebody who organized a handful of conferences now. It's one of those things like getting married, deciding who your business partner is going to be, maybe selling your business. These are very important things that you don't do very often. Even the most prolific conference organizers don't have that much experience By definition, you know, even the most prolific serial divorcee doesn't have that much experience choosing mates, right? right? And so my point is this, don't assume that conference people know what they're doing. One of the things that I didn't know what I was doing this year is I give people a chance to apply to talk, but I never really took the time, the hours it would take to really explain what I'm looking for, because most conference organizers are looking for Famous people. Right. right. <laughs> There's another side of it, which is that, okay, you got your famous people. Now you need to deliver a great conference and you need people that can go up on stage and deliver. And those people are very rare. So if you can tap into what that organizer is looking for, you know, we have a thesis in Dynamite Circle that wasn't really articulated, which is this practitioning preachers. You have to have a track record. I don't care how well you talk. If you haven't done it in the last two Two years, I don't want to hear about it. Right. You know, and and that's something that I didn't put on the speaker's application form, but it's something that people could have gotten out of me, and they could have tailored their application to get on stage.
1: Yeah, and the reason you want to get on stage, Dan, is because everybody knows you then, and it makes it real <laughs> easy to talk to everybody. I mean, it's a fast track to getting to know people, and it's a fast track. Basically, you're up on stage saying, this is who I am. And then people can come talk to you. I mean, it's a great way to identify
0: people that you want to be with. Someone asked Derek Sivers a question. I don't remember the exact question. Something like, what do you believe that's rare or like that's unpopular? And he was like, you know, being famous is good. Being famous is worth it. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. And like, yeah, if you speak at a conference, you'll be mini famous. And that's it. Being famous within an ecosystem. You don't want to be Michael Jackson famous. You don't want to be like random people that don't care about what you do, still know who you are. Right. That's like Kardashian famous. Right. You want to be Sivers famous. You want like people that have Stack Overflow accounts, like they know who you are. Like right. that's what you want. One final piece of advice is like, I think poaching people for, like, dinners and lunches and stuff is a really good
1: thing. You know? as, as an attendee.
0: Yeah, walking up to somebody that you have a unique interest in and just saying, Hey, man, can we get dinner tonight? Or, hey... What are you doing the day after the conference? I saw David was having dinner with Rob Walling and invited me out. Like that kind of thing. These people are there. They're accessible. They're coming to the conference to have a good time. So yeah, try to poach them. Try to sit down because, you know, one of the things is like, it's really hard to develop a relationship when it's all like, hey, what do you do? What do you do? You know, it's sometimes it's like having a smaller, more focused group that you can really start to get to know somebody. And that brings up one final thing, actually. There was a discussion in the DC about, how to have better conversations when you meet people. He's like always like, hey, you're from Virginia. What do you do? Right. You know uh, how do you have these kinds of conversations over and over? And someone suggested, I think it was Almog, who said, Why don't you ask what excites you about your business? What are you excited about in your business? I really like that one. A lot of people um, they ask these challenging questions like. What are your plans for next year? And the trouble with that question is it's kind of like, hey, why don't you perform for me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you answer that? Like, you you can choose from 1 to 10 where you want to go with that. Whereas when I'm answering what I'm excited about, I always feel 10 about that. Like, here's one thing I'm excited about. So I think it's worth at least thinking about how you're going to be approaching and interacting people. Final thought for me, I think one of the great things about this conference
1: is, is an opportunity to see old friends, meet new friends. And I think in, in terms of the old friends, it's very difficult to develop strong relationships as a digital nomad, Dan, because you're moving around a lot. But one of the benefits is that you Speak get to see- for yourself, see, buddy. You get to see these people multiple times a year. And this yeah. is one of the times that I get to see these people. And every time I meet these people, it like cements our relationship. We make plans to go places and things like that. So I think, you know, coming out to these kinds of events is really key, especially if you have like a group of people that you see every year. I think that that's very cool because we don't always get to see each other. You know, I mean, we're on the road doing different things, but everybody came together this year to come to DCBKK and I'm like really appreciative of that. Yeah.
0: Speaking of which, uh, one of the most touching moments for me during the conference, the closing party dominator walked up to me and he said, Dan, for a lot of us, 12 months is too long too long we don't see each other that often couldn't we do something sooner i think we might do something there's gonna be a small handful of events this year and as far as my future plans i'm going for the hallway track i want to create conferences that are just all hallways too cool for school to come into the talks is that gonna be you i'm there's gonna be no talk rooms anymore i'm gonna invert the whole thing the entire experience will be anti-fragile that's what we're gonna do You Done. can read about this episode at tropicalmba.com slash DC, BKK, 2014. Thank you. A huge thank you to everybody who put their trust into us, jumped on that long haul out to Bangkok uh, to check out the event. And yeah, I couldn't be more excited now to... Uh,
1: Pull together for next
0: year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> get back on the horse,
0: man. I'm pretty, my brain just doesn't work so well anymore. Anyway, I think we've got a bullet train to catch or something. That's
1: uh, right. we got to get going to Mount Fuji. Here we come. All
0: right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com. Get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.